one of the things we say at Carson Group is find your freedom, right? So I'm not saying every RIA says that, right? In fact, I'm sure they don't. But that's one of the big things when you talk to Ron and talk to people, find your freedom, right? Larry, like, what is your freedom? Everyone's is different. And I've kind of talked about mine a few times here, right? I want to wake up every day and believe in what I'm doing, help advisors, help their clients, create cool content, get on the road, give presentations, create videos, podcasts, write some stuff, all that stuff. That's what I want to do. I don't want to be doing a lot of other stuff. And that happens sometimes in careers. I get it. But I got pulled in a lot of different directions. And I want to get back to what makes me happy. And that's finding my freedom. And that's what Carson Group wants me to do. And that's why it's awesome. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Ryan Dietrich, Chief Market Strategist at Carson Group. Ryan Dietrich serves as Carson's Chief Market Strategist and is responsible for advancing Carson's investment research team, delivering market insights, and expanding the firm's investment platform. Beyond this, he provides research and guidance that drives growth for the more than 130 Carson partners who collectively manage $20 billion in assets. As a Carson partner firm, Midland Financial and myself are happy to have him aboard. His strong relationships and expertise help enhance Carson's industry-leading investment management offering and further the firm's mission of being the most trusted for financial advice. Ryan has spent more than 20 years working in the financial markets, and early in his career, he spent more than a decade at Schaefer's Investment Research. He has also earned the Chartered Market Technician CMT designation. Ryan regularly shares his insights on national broadcast outlets such as Yahoo Finance, CNBC, Fox Business, and Bloomberg TV and Radio. Listen in for some great takeaways about the work taking place at Carson Group and what Ryan is bringing to the firm, the families we serve, and the profession as a whole. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the pleasure of having Ryan Dietrich, the Chief Market Strategist at Carson Group with us today. And welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, Larry. I'm honored to be here. I'm looking forward to a fun discussion, learning a little bit more about you. You can learn a little bit more about me and just having some fun. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, listen, I know a bit about you and I want to share a little bit of your background with our listeners. With I shared a little bit of that in the introduction, but for those that aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about who Ryan Dietrich is and how you got to Carson Group? Boy. What was the path? Boy, how much time do we have again, Larry? <laughs> uh, maybe I'll give the Cliff Notes version. That's okay. So I'm born and raised in Springfield, Ohio, southwestern Ohio. I guess you could say I got the bug for the stock market in 1999, right? Everything was going crazy. I was with the Zave University. My dad gave me some play money, opened up, I think, an E-Trade account. Hey, it doesn't really matter. I was making tons of money. This is easy. I was skipping theology class to go some penny stock website. I was hooked, right? And you know what's going to happen next. Everything crashes. I thought everything was technology, networking. I didn't understand you can go on margin. It was bad. I didn't know any of that stuff. I just was hooked to it. And then I lost, of course, like all my money. But I was like, then I realized, oh my goodness, I could have made money on the way down. 
Or, oh my goodness, value stocks went up in 2001, 2002. You didn't have to be in just tech. And I love the way every day you wake up and something different, different discussion. And it just was awesome, right? So I knew that's what I wanted to do. Fast forward a little bit, got my MBA after I graduated, worked at a place called Schaefer's Investment Research, which is an options newsletter. Worked there for about 10 years in Cincinnati, Ohio. Kind of was a strategist going on TV, presenting. I was one of the first strategists. Now we're going to talk probably more about this, but that leveraged social media, that was doing videos, that was doing blogs. I was doing that stuff like 10, 12 years ago. Gave me a real kind of first mover advantage, I guess you could say, in that space. Then I started to manage some money at an RIA in Cincinnati. That was cut short <laughs> because they were bought up by Huntington Bank because I knew I wanted to work with people more. Then I was a free agent, right? And then White at LPL needed this market strategist. One thing led to another. And I worked at LPL for the past six and a half years. And that was a lot of fun. And then just ready for a new opportunity. And obviously, Bert went to Carson. And now I'm at Carson. And I am just thrilled to be here. Awesome. Awesome. And one of the reasons why I know that you came over to Carson was you're extremely passionate about the work being done here. So what is it about the work being done here that you are so passionate about? Yeah, it's very true, right? So, you know, in my career, I looked where I was going and where I wanted to go. And I said, yeah, I just kind of wanted to have some fun, right? I want to work closely with advisors, work closely with their clients, create some really cool content, you know, try to revolutionize the industry, right? And that's what Carson wants to do. Got to meet with Ron Carson. Just the way he looks at the world and how passionate he is. And I worked with Burt for a long time and that way he envisions things. And of course, I'm brand new, right? So I don't know everything, but I've been here for a month now. And I'll just say this. I feel so, so happy and just privileged to be here. And in the impact I think we're going to have on the industry in general, right? The industry has got some black eyes over the years. There's no doubt about it. But we're going to just kind of be out there and be very forefront and very honest in how we see the world and explain nobody's perfect. Nobody always gets everything right. Nobody always gets everything wrong. But we're just going to be there for our advisors and be there for the industry to try to lift the industry up and just at the end of the day, help people with their investments, understanding what's going on, all the crazy stuff that's out there, what really matters, right? There's so much news out there. Does it all really matter? I mean, that's what gets me so excited every day to just wake up and try to create interesting content to help tell a story, to help people understand what's really happening, what really matters to your money. Yeah. I Listen, I think that's fantastic. In your short tenure thus far with Carson Group, is there something that stands out in the past several weeks that you could say, man, this just reinforces why I'm here, what I'm doing, and the brightness for the future that I see in making this move. Yeah, a couple of different thoughts here, you know, my first month. The one that stands out, people say, what surprises you? I say almost how seamless it's been. <laughs> I'm doing videos, I'm going on TV, I'm writing, I'm doing all my stuff. It's like I kind of just jumped on the horse and started going, which is great, right? I mean, yeah, there's some confusing things like how to figure out your 401k or figure this out with HR. But in terms of my day job, I've kind of jumped right on. But what's so exciting to me, Joey Guidry, he came over from LPL also with Bert. He's helping. He's a marketing genius. And you've met with Joey, so you know what I'm talking about. He's helping us and our investment research team here at Carson Group. I can write stuff and talk. we got a really great team already. But Joey's helping us kind of brand ourselves, how we're going to get out there, how we're going to use podcasts, how we're going to use videos, how we're going to leverage our blog, how we're going to kind of build our brand. And that is what is really exciting to me. Because, yes, I'm a market strategist. End of the day, I'm a markets guy, but sometimes I'm kind of a marketing guy. It depends what hat you're wearing, right? But to work with someone like- We're all marketing people, Ryan. <laughs> 
We all have to market something, right? If nothing else, ourselves. Yeah, that is a great point. But it's just so refreshing kind of to work with Joey and kind of see the future that he sees, the vision he sees to help us build what we want to build to literally be one of, if not one of the best, the best investment research shops in the entire world. And we're going to do everything we can to do that. And that's what makes it so exciting. But we're also kind of building from the ground up, right? We're relatively small in research shop and we're going to be building and growing it. So to work with Bert and Joey and the other great members of the team to do that, that is really exciting to me. Yeah. You know, as you were saying that about your relationship, you and Joey, and I know Carson and you may not be as familiar yet with it. I know that they operate on the EOS operating system and traction. And as I'm thinking about that, it seems like you and Bert are almost like the visionaries for the group. And then you have Joey, who's the integrator. He's the guy that's going to kind of pull it all together and get it done in a way that our clients are going to be able to understand things, which is fantastic. Yeah, no, I can't disagree. Then again, I might say Joey's maybe more the visionary than both of us. He kind of tells, <laughs> he tells us which way we're going to go, and then you turn the camera on and we do it. But I mean, just in general, it's just so exciting, right? Because I mean, let's be honest, in the world of investment research, and I've spent the last two decades, one of the major themes that I've seen, and we've all seen, research departments are shrinking. Research departments, there's less people, they're getting laid off. Companies might be growing, but there's less there. And, and I felt that in my career, right? But again, at Carson Group, they don't look at it like that. They want to build the investor research team here, make it bigger, make it more of a face of the company. And that all is just obviously music to my ears. And just another reason that I'm so excited about this next stage of my career is going to be awesome. Awesome. So you were in the RIA space earlier in your career. For a minute. <laughs> yeah. You then went to the broker dealer space for a bit. And now you're more or less back at that RIA space again. So why have you been drawn to the RIA model or, or do you feel like there's a distinct difference in terms of the RIA model after being in the broker dealer space for a good bet? That is a great question. And, you know, I was thinking about this. I think I fit better in the RIA space, to be honest, right? The broker dealer space is very big. It's very you know, institutional. It's kind of buttoned up. And that's not bad. I mean, that's what it is. But I just like, I like to have some fun. I like to tell some stories. And I like to help people, right? And I just kind of didn't fit in that world anymore. So I think the RA space is a place that I can fit a little bit better to be me, right? Bert and I kind of talked about this when he was looking to bring me over. To just kind of be myself and not have to worry about, I have to act this way for somebody or act that way for somebody. Just, just, just get out there and help people, create really cool content. And at the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to do and trying to help bring up the investment research team at Carson Group. And we're all going to do that together. But that's just what makes it so exciting and so refreshing, I guess I should say. So you feel the RA space gives you more freedom and flexibility in order yeah. to do what you need to do for the families we serve, really? Absolutely. And you think about it, you know, one of the things we say at Carson Group is find your freedom, right? So I'm not saying every RIA says that, right? In fact, I'm sure they don't. But that's one of the big things when you talk to Ron, talk to people, find your freedom, right? Larry, like, what is your freedom? Everyone's is different. And I've kind of talked about mine a few times here, right? I want to wake up every day and believe in what I'm doing, help advisors, help their clients, create cool content, get on the road, give presentations, create videos, podcasts, write some stuff, all that stuff. That's what I want to do. I don't want to be doing a lot of other stuff. And that happens sometimes in careers. I get it. But I got pulled in a lot of different directions. And I want to get back to what makes me happy. And that's finding my freedom. And that's what Carson Group wants me to do. And that's why it's awesome. Well, I think that's what they want everybody to do. Their right. internal stakeholders, their partner firms, our clients and the families we serve, right? Everybody should be looking for and finding their freedom because then it just makes everybody that much better, I think. And happier. 
happier. Oh, 100%. I think about all the time how we talk about this construct about retirement. And I'm like, why do we have to wait till 65, 67 to start enjoying life? It should be something we should enjoy all along the way. It shouldn't be something that's just enjoyed at some point in the future. And unfortunately, the universe has created this construct that I think is a little backwards and hopefully one little part in changing people's vision about that. We absolutely will. It takes that first little move of a rock down a hill, right? Then you start getting momentum. I think people are going to look around. I'm feeling in my first month, I'm feeling people are like, hey, what's he doing over there? That looks kind of fun. Like I saw Bird over at Carson Group. I was like, that looks kind of fun. People are going to see what we're doing here and they're going to be like, wow, that's something I can get behind, something I believe in and something we can all build together. And that's what we're going to do here at Carson Group. Agreed. So one of the things that we deliver to the families we serve is our market commentary, right? Which is a great piece that we put out every week. We end up delivering it typically to our clients every Tuesday. And I know one of the things that you're looking to do, and you've spoken about fun a number of times in our short time here talking, is making the market commentary fun and engaging. How do you plan to make that more fun and engaging for us as advisors and the families we serve? Yeah, I mean, I literally, I think I was working on that right before we started talking today. So, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, listen, I think kind of the way we did the market commentaries in the past was kind of talked about what had just happened, right? It's happened, this happened, this happened. One of the things that Bert and I want to, and Joey, want to bring is more of a forward looking, like, listen, this just happened. What could it mean, right? More of a forecasting. That's kind of fun for us to do some forecasts and tell what we're seeing. What does it really matter? Okay, so inflation is high, inflation is low, the Fed is this, the Fed is that. What does it mean to your investments, right? What does it mean to the economy? So to me, that's kind of fun to get into those things instead of just reporting what happened, what very well could, what happened, but very well could happen as well. And then at the same time, we're doing a podcast together, right? Podcasts are fun. You sometimes get off on a little tangent. That's what people like about podcasts. So we're going to have a fun podcast as well. We're going to do some videos on our YouTube channel that are kind of fun a little bit. Because what I have seen in my career, I hopefully notice this the first 10 minutes we've been talking, I like to have a little bit of fun too, right? I'm not just some boring strategist. I don't think. I'm just some boring strategist that says, oh, stocks are cheap. You should buy. <laughs> now, what does that mean? You got to tell a story. I've used this example before, but the Mona Lisa was the most is the most famous painting in the world. 125 years ago, it was not. It was famous, but it wasn't the most famous. And it was stolen. Late 1800s, it disappeared for a while. The early 1900s, it came back. France bought it at an auction. Then it had a story and it became the most famous painting in the world. So we're going to create a story around things, right? To kind of help people understand what's happening, but to make it interesting. I mean, my goodness, Larry, do you really want to talk about the Fed with me for an hour? I don't. I do this for a living. I think it's boring. (laughs) We can talk about it, but let's frame it in a way that's easy to understand for people and maybe a little fun, a little lighthearted sometimes. Believe me, if markets are going down and things are scary, we're not going to be making silly. We're not going to be making jokes. We are stewards of assets and take this job extremely seriously. But what I found is people just want to relate to someone that they like, that they want to sit across from the old, you know, have a beer with them type of thing, right? And that's exactly the kind of overall mentality, I think, that we're going to bring here at Carson Group with our investment research team. Yeah, I mean, that's great. And as I'm thinking about this, it has to be fun and talk about telling stories and podcasts and talking about the markets. Some people listen or see the name of our show, Midland Money Mindset, and think that we're like all these other financial shows out there. And although we have the word money in there, I don't want to be like the other financial shows. I don't want to be like those folks saying, this is what's going on in the markets. This is what you should do with your IRA. There are plenty of people to do that. I don't find it engaging. I'd rather bring great, interesting people that have stories to tell and share them with our listeners. So 
I get it. And why do you think, what is the importance behind making the commentary fun for investors and the families? What do you think is the end benefit there? Yeah, to connect with them, right? So to build that trust. Because let's be honest, you could follow someone, you start following them, you're going to want to see what they've done, right? And you're going to see, are their calls good? Are their calls bad? Or if they're wrong, are they upfront and honest and explain Listen, we thought inflation would do this and it did this, right? Just be honest with people, I think is so impactful. And I think about me, like this question you just asked me, like, what podcasts do I like to listen to? I enjoy the ones where, yeah, they give me financial information. But then they say, ah, oh, you know, I was watching a TV show here. I watched the ball game there. Just normal stuff, right? To just kind of connect on that personal level. I would like to say what I go, I do a lot of conferences, right? I'll be on stage with a lot of different strategists and big time market people. About two hours later, you know what happens, Larry? It's the happy hour. And nine times out of 10, the people I was on stage with have sort of vanished. Everybody's like, where'd she go? Where'd he go? I'm out there. I love to be with people. I love to be out there talking. I don't think there's such a thing as average. I'm like your average guy. Yeah, I get to go on TV and do some cool stuff. But I just want to be out there with people. My favorite question when I'm hanging out with advisors is, how are your clients doing? What are you hearing from your clients? I can get so much knowledge from that. And then my brain starts spinning, let's do this, let's do that. So again, just connecting on a personal level is something that I have always done. I don't know, it's just who I am, but it's something that I've noticed a lot of other people don't do. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think also making it fun. Also, I think you make it memorable. So the average stuff, sometimes you hear that same kind of commentary over and over again, and it's like you kind of drown it out because it's like, oh, more of the same. Whereas if you make it fun, it's memorable too. And you're going to remember some of those important key takeaways which is a big thing here on our show. We like key actionable takeaways, and you can have those if you remember them and link them up to a fun event. Yeah, so a couple of years ago on my podcast that I had in a previous life, I had major issues with my Volvo, as in every time it rained, it would leak. I took the car to Volvo probably six times. It was just a nightmare, but I'd give weekly updates. I'm telling you, <laughs> to this day, they don't remember what I said on the podcast two years ago, but they still were like, hey, hey, you still got that Volvo? Like, it is a joke. <laughs> And that's just a great reminder of some of the videos I've done, done some really serious videos. You do a goofy one where you're playing golf and doing messing around. That's the one people remember. So not going to make them all goofy, but every once in a while, I have a fun one that's memorable. And that's what people are going to remember. Last thing on this, I mean, I presented a lot over the years, right? And you're not going to remember what I said two, three years later in all likelihood, but you're going to remember how you felt when you walked out of there and you hear, oh, Dietrich or whatever. And I want people just to remember he was fun. He was energetic. He clearly loved what he was doing. And that's what I want people to feel when they're done listening to me. All right. Well, listen, before we move on, do you still have the Volvo? <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> all right. It's only two years old. I mean, yeah, it's all picked up. So yeah, still. Oh, that's funny. Rough point. I don't know. All right. We'll move on. I digress. So listen, one of the things that I think is important, probably more now than ever, is the amount of information that's going out there and kind of tying that back to the source, right? Where is this information coming from? Social media has some great aspects to it. It also has some bad aspects to it because now anybody who has an opinion or wants to say something in regard to investments or the markets basically has a platform to do that. So why do you think it's so important for the families that are out there that are listening to think about and more or less know to some degree the source of the information they're listening to and the advice that they are taking. Yeah, boy, Larry, that's a great point there because everybody can get on social media now, right? I mean, I love social media. I half joke that Twitter, maybe you could say, has gotten me by last three or four jobs. It's all there. People follow me from that. But at the same time, 
it's almost information overload, right? I mean, there's so much information that's out there and that's great because literally like institutional reports from like Goldman Sachs or someplace that used to be no one could get, those are all of a sudden on social media like an hour after they come out, right? So it's broken down barriers that never were there before or that were there before. And now it's really even the playing field, a lot of this stuff. So I think that's really awesome. But at the end of the day, Kind of some of the themes we've already talked about, right? Your calls are there. You can see what, you can Google me, you can Google somebody and see what they kind of said in the past and if they're right, if they're wrong, but were they honest up front? If they're wrong, do they describe why they're wrong? Do they understand? Are they learning from their mistakes as well? You know, one of my favorite quotes is, um, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want, right? And that's kind of what happened during the uh, 2020 pandemic, right? Nobody wanted that, obviously, in the 34% bear market that happened in six weeks, but we all learned, hopefully, we all learned a lot from that. And that's why I think matters so much for investors and for families that are listening. But again, just that can be the last point on this, maybe to be consistent, right? Like if you have a podcast, do it every week. You have a blog, do whatever you're going to do it. Be there for people. And once you build that consistency and they kind of listen to you and they like you, don't disappear, right? If you make something, if you have a bad call or something, don't just disappear, right? I mean, you continue to be out there and show up. One of the things Burt White always said was in times of stress, thinking like March 2020, April 2020, over-communicate. When they were in a bull market, honestly, people don't really need a research department as much. Everybody's happy, right? They're happy with you. They're happy with your statements. They need you more. They need me more. They need us more in this industry when you have a year like this one started where it's been pretty rough for stocks and bonds. And that's where when you build that trust, they come to you. And that's what's so important. Yeah, I agree with you. So how do you see wealth management shifting over the next several years? It seems like Things are moving much as time goes on. The profession seems to be shifting even much more quickly. Dog years, seven years in one year now. It seems like things are going very quickly. Do you see any major shifts coming in the next several years to come? And if so, what do you foresee? Yeah, I mean, maybe the major shifts. I mean, I think the industry is consolidating a little bit, right? I mean, lots of companies are combining. We always see that in financial news. You wake up and somebody bought somebody or something. So those big shifts, I think, um, are there. And again, that's why you want to be on a good team, right? That's why I'm at Carson Group. One of the teams that are going to be out there that are probably going to be growing and acquiring and things like that. That's what's so important. But kind of like the last question. I mean, you can't hide, right? You can't hide anymore. What you say is out there and everybody's going to know. You know some of the perma bears that are on CNBC that they tout out whenever you have a bad couple days. Like, oh, that's a bottom because he's on. He's always bearish, right? Or this guy's always bullish. And so you can't hide from that. And I think those barriers are being continually broken, which is a really good thing because then you can kind of find, I hate to say it, the frauds and the hucksters that are out there. And you can just find the people that are real that are continually trying to give the best information the best guidance, the best knowledge that they can over over a period of time to build those relationships. That way, when things are rough, people understand, okay, well, listen, they're there for me, right? They might not always be right, might not always be wrong, but they are going to be there for me when things are rough. And that's what I think matters. You know, oh, what did Jeff Bezos say? He said, people always ask him, hey, Jeff, in 10 years, what's going to be different? He's like, I don't worry about that. What I'm worried about is in 10 years, what's going to be the same, right? That's what he's trying to figure out. At the end of the day, that's what you and I are trying to figure out. What are we still going to do in 10 years, right? You're going to be there for your clients. I'm going to be there for advisors. I'm going to be there for clients. That's what's not going to change. And that's sometimes what we need to focus on a little bit more than what's going to change. I'll try to switch the question around, but that's what I think really matters more. Hey, listen, I think that that is extremely important and definitely powerful that we focus on that. And as you were telling the story about people being consistent and kind of taking ownership of their calls, I think of a guy who I won't name back in like the 90s when I was first in the business, maybe even the early 2000s, 
who was calling for like Dow 100,000. And I got a call recently, probably within the last three months about this person, not knowing it was him. And they said to me, hey, I just saw this person on TV and they're calling for the largest market crash in history. And we're going to go to like Dow 5,000 or something like that. And they told me who it was. And I said, well, Google him and see what he was saying in the late 90s and early 2000s. It was completely the opposite. And that didn't come to fruition. So why are we believing? So I think you're right. I think being on social, having Google at our fingertips really levels a lot of those playing fields because you're able to find out the history, the track record and see how those things have played out over time. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, what what helped my career coming out of financial crisis, and again, you can Google it, you can look it up. We were very bullish at Schaefer's Investment Research. We were seeing things that said, listen, in 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, this was a major bull market. I went on CNBC every week. The producer would call and say, hey, Ryan, you still bullish? I'd say, yeah. They'd say, good, because we can't find another bull. That's what it was, right? In March 2020, on March 27th or 28th at LPL at the time, we upgraded our view on equities to overweight. People thought we were crazy, but we explained why we did it and we're out there and then it worked out well. Now, trust me, I've had some calls in work. My favorite, if you want to call it that, I think it was a Thursday before the debt downgrade in August 2011. I'm on CNBC saying, yeah, things are okay. Then the debt downgrade happened the next day. Remember that Friday afternoon? I mean, four days later, market down 20%. So trust me, I've had my bad calls as much as anybody else, but well, hopefully less actually. I'm getting at, I think I would put my calls up with anybody's the last 15 years or so, but we're all going to make mistakes. We're all imperfect, no question. But again, it's out there and do you learn from it? And I've learned from a lot of my mistakes over the years. And I'll learn from the future mistakes as well. Like you said, very early on, we're never going to be perfect, but it's just a matter of learning from those mistakes or those challenges and owning them and correcting them going forward so that it doesn't happen again, right? Or making a better call, if you will. So we talked a lot about social media in terms of like technology, but is fintech going to continue and what type of impact do you think it's going to have on us as advisors to better serve the families that we work with? Yeah, it's going to continue to be a major impact. And here's the truth. We probably don't know how it's going to be an impact. What I mean by that In 2009, when I first started using Twitter, I thought it was silly. They said, why don't you start using this? It's free advertising. Now I've got like 110,000 Twitter followers. I can tweet something and literally get quoted on TV, right? I mean, anywhere. So I didn't know that. I mean, believe me, we knew the internet was big. Do we really know you can take on your phone in California and open your garage door on the other side of the... (laughs) No, you probably didn't know that, right? But my point being is to be open to things. I sometimes, like the next person, that's kind of dumb. And then it works, right? I mean, so be open. to things. That's what's so neat about fintech. And honestly, I don't know, you almost say it's a fintech company to a degree. They are so forward looking and so into using technology and leveraging different things. I'm just learning that in my first month. And that's what's so exciting because listen, like with investing, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. I make mistakes. Fintech's going to be the same way, but there are going to be some major trends that take place that help clients more than we could have ever imagined. What is so neat, Larry, is I know you're going to be in the forefront of it. I know Carson's going to be in the forefront of it. We're going to be in the forefront of it all together to help clients. And again, it's just something that I would not, like I did in 2009, I thought Twitter was dumb. Hey, I was dead wrong. I, mean, I can admit it, but it's also helped my career. So who would have thought, in 2009, I never would have thought Twitter would have helped my career the way it has. And there's going to be something else out there that helps people's careers and helps your clients and helps this industry. And fintech is probably going to be leading the forefront because that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. Listen, that's one of the reasons in full disclosure why we're a Carson partner firm, quite frankly, is I used to evaluate our firm's technology on a regular basis. And 
as good a job as you do doing that, by time you figure out what direction you're going to go in, you start adopting that technology, you get it implemented, and then people know how to use it, it's time to do that process all over again. I didn't have the resources, the structure, or the financial backing in order to do it at a level of Carson Group. So they're at the forefront, as you mentioned, in terms of this technology, single pane of glass, so clients and families can see everything in one place. And that's really a major thing and reason why we're here, because it really helps us deliver what we want to deliver and the experience that we want to give to the families we serve. So, Amen. You know, at the end of the day, okay, so we're going to have hopefully a really good investment research shop. If the technology doesn't work for you, it's not going to work for you, right? So that's why it's so important to do that. I joke, I've worked with advisors for a long time. The two biggest complaints I hear are technology and compliance, technology and compliance. Those are two hindrances for a lot of advisors around the world, around at least United States, I should say. And, and it was so refreshing, though, just hearing you say that is maybe a Carson Group, that's not quite the case because technology is going to be there. Well, I'm going to really shock because the other one, compliance, we love our compliance team. We have a great relationship with our compliance team. They're great people. I look at them and I know other advisors kind of have this connotation that compliance is the business prevention department. I know that's kind of the line in, in the profession. I will tell you that this, that that is not the case here. We found them as a very valuable partner of ours to help us deliver great information to the families that we work with and extremely helpful. Well, I'll just say this. Hearing that is like music to my ears. Because, <laughs> I mean, I've always, again, I've usually heard technology compliance, technology compliance, two things holding us back, right? And to think that the tailwinds that we're going to have here at Carson Group to help all the clients and continue to grow, if you're saying, hey, compliance and technology are good, which I know they are, and that's another reason I'm them. here, then that is just music to my ears and just confirms I've made the right decision. <laughs> Told you I was going to blow your mind with that one. There you go. So. <laughs> yep, you did, you did. So as we work to grow the profession, we're short on younger people entering the profession. The hope is that if they do enter the profession, that they stay here and stick with it long term. So what advice do you have for those that may be younger in their career? An advisor, fairly new, what advice can you give them to be here in the next 10, 15, 20 plus years. Yeah, what do you wish you knew that you didn't know right. then? So I think for me, that's helped my career and something I tell young people, some of what we're talking about here is networking, right? I mean, I had never really networked. I didn't know how to do it. And then I lost a job and I had to network. But the power that that has is so unbelievable. And don't be shy because we talked about social media and all this stuff. Do not be shy about going on LinkedIn and sending someone a message. And I've always said, maybe they missed the first one. Send them a second one. Don't answer by the second. They probably aren't going to answer you. But you'd be shocked. I would know I was. The amount of big time people you see on TV or read about, you just reach out to them. and They actually kind of reach out back and try to help. I mean, that is fascinating to me. Now that I'm kind of on the other side of that, not the one looking for a job. I'm the kind of one that kind of helps people get jobs and helps connect dots. One of the things I always try to do now, maybe I didn't do it in the past because it didn't really matter because I didn't have any clout, if you will. But I remember on one hand, Larry, who helped me when I didn't have a job, when I was unemployed, I'm looking around and you ask people and buy lunches. They say, oh, I'm going to connect you with so-and-so. Then nothing would happen. And that's fine. I know people are busy. But something I'm really trying to do now, something I'm going to tell everybody they should try to do is when people can reach out for you for help, 
give it to them, right? Connect them with somebody else, take the phone call, take the email, reply to something. It really can go a long way because I was on the other side of it. And again, remembering who did that for me and who helped me get to sitting in the chair that I'm in today, it wasn't easy. I mean, people are like, oh, it was easy. No, it wasn't easy, right? I, I've been fired before. I've lost jobs before. I mean, it, it wasn't an easy road, man. It is what it is. And now I'm sitting in a place that I am so happy to have been here. And the other thing about this, people say, well, you know, Ryan, one door closes, another door opens. You want to punch that person in the face when you're trying to have the door close on you. But it is true, guys. Just remember, it's so true. And if you're going through hard times and things are struggling, I've been there. I mean, I've looked at that bank account going lower and lower and lower. I don't have a job. My wife's a social worker, barely making any money. And I want this other job and it's taking forever to get. Like, I've been there. I feel it, right? And now I'm in a different spot. But I always remember what that felt like, man, in December 2015 when I was like broke and I didn't have a job, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get into all that. But I remember what it was like. So just kind of be there for people and help them when they're struggling. Because you never know. It's still saying you don't know someone smiles at you. You don't really know what's going on behind there, right? So just kind of reach out. Something I've actually tried to start doing sending like a daily text to just some random person, not random, random is the wrong word, but some friend or family member, just a little encouragement or something, just say how they're doing, because I didn't always do that. But just do little things like that to connect to people, I think. I don't know if I answered the question, I just went on a rant, but those are some things I've been thinking about that I think really matter to help people kind of stay in their career, continue to grow and develop over time. Yeah, I think those are great pointers. And one thing that we talk about here all the time on our show is one thing we talk about the mentor-mentee relationship and how important that is to both sides. When I'm a mentor, I get a lot from that relationship, almost just as much, if not more, than the mentee. And I think the other thing that we talk about, or kind of is like uh, something that I say often, is your network equals your net worth. Your network equals your net worth. If you build a big enough network, that network can provide you with a lot. It can provide you with opportunities in business. It can provide you with new job opportunities. You have to, I think, as a young person entering this profession, you have to think in that direction and build those relationships, have a give first mentality. And if you are in a position that you can give more than the average person, do it. Take 20 minutes. I'll speak to any new advisor or newly minted advisor or somebody who's looking for advice and guidance. It's not a big ask to spend a half hour on a Zoom just to have them pick your brain and perhaps help them down the road. And maybe, maybe I put them on my Ron list that like he keeps, and maybe it's not the right time now for them to be a good fit or have an opportunity here at our firm, but maybe I put that in my filing cabinet and revisit it in a few years because it might be a good fit then. That was awesome. I mean, that network equals your net worth. That's pretty awesome. One other thing that I thought of here in the financial world, it is a small world. I mean, it really is. So-and-so knows so-and-so and and everybody knows everybody, right? Want a bit of advice? Be careful, right? Sometimes your job's not going the way it should and you're mad about something. You know, don't just go burn a bunch of bridges, right? Because you never know what's going to happen on the other side because everyone is so connected in this small financial world with advisors that we live, even though there's, I don't know, how many advisors are there in the country? There's a lot. It's a lot, but it's still a small world and people know each other. And now there's camera phones and you do a stupid tweet and it's out there forever. You got, it is a different world, right? So just kind of be aware of some of those things, but just always kind of take the attitude that people always say with my career, what matters, what doesn't matter. Just treat people right and believe it's going to work. I've always kind of had that attitude. Just treat people the right way. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's going to work. Believe me, it doesn't always feel that way, but just kind of, maybe you could almost, argue you trick yourself. Sometimes you do trick ourselves. Maybe we have to, but just believe it's going to get better and guys, it will. 
Yeah, I agree. So listen, one thing we've talked about a lot is your activity on social media. And I would say, and you also mentioned that most chief market strategists are not necessarily on social media. And if they are, they're definitely not as active, I don't think, as you are. Why do you feel it's important for you to be so active? And how do you feel it helps the families that us as advisors serve? Yeah. Well, a couple thoughts, I guess, there. I mean, first of all, I think it's fun. <laughs> I think it's fun to create interesting content because every day something's coming out. And can I put a unique spin on it? And I say I try to take complex matters and try to make them simple. So when I present, nothing feels better than when a little old grandma comes up and says, you know what? I have no idea what you just said for the past hour, but I really liked it. I mean, I get that. She just liked what I said, but I know what I said. Oh, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but I take it as a compliment. But the truth, again, is it's impactful because every day something's going on. Every day there's some scary headline. I'm not minimizing the scary headlines that are out there. I'm just saying maybe that scary headline isn't as scary as it sounds. So every day we're trying to teach investors, teach advisors, teach the industry what's going on and what matters to us and what we think matters. And maybe the stuff that you should ignore at the same time because you've got a lot of clients. We've worked in this industry long enough. Like you said, there's a certain bear that's out there, but he's been bearish for 25 years in the middle of a huge bull market. So yeah, maybe he's right because we just had a 24% correction in the S&P earlier this year. But was he really right? Because he's been better the whole time. Those are the things you got to be aware of. And I think just because every day there's so much information, I talk about information overload, but at the same time to kind of slice through that info and show what really matters is just what excites me. My last thing on this, I can go on and on. I just think it's a blast when there's data to get that data, right? Get it in Excel, pull it from a different place, and just try to slice and dice it and show a unique way, a refreshing look at what happened. I know just one big, broad example, we had a 24% correction, right? We actually recently corrected half of that. If you go back in history, Larry, we've never gone back to new lows. It's been like 14 or 15 times since 1950. Never gone back to new lows when you correct half of that bear market. So that's a positive thing, right? And that's something people need to be aware of. Yeah, we still might have a rough go of it, but just remember that because that, that probably is telling us something, right? Mark Twain's a history didn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. I love to say that quote because that's what I try to do is look at history to show a path where we could go or maybe to show where we've been. We've had terrible times before, right? 1982 was a horrible start to the year. Issues with Russia, massive inflation. Some of this stuff sounds familiar, right? A recession. And then inflation rolls over. I think it was a 27% bear market was corrected in four months in late 1982. I don't know what's going to happen this time. I'm just saying that we've had bad times before. We've gotten through them and we're going to do it again. Yeah. And I look forward to, and I've enjoyed the content that you've put out thus far in terms of making those complex issues kind of digestible and understandable. I think it's fantastic. And in a world where we're kind of inundated with a lot of bad news, it's refreshing to kind of get the other side of the coin if it makes sense. I like being able to share that and show that to the families that we serve, because when you're in the midst of or the throes of some uncertainty, it's really hard sometimes to really clear the glasses and really get a clear perspective about where you are, where you've been, and where you're really going to be going versus where everybody's telling you we're heading. So I think it's all valuable stuff, and I thank you for that. So, Ryan, we end every show. This is the Midland Money Mindset by asking each of our guests the same question. I'm going to do the same today, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Well, I hope this isn't just 
kissing you know what but this podcast i mean this was fun doing this was a lot of fun i will say later today i'm going to drive up so i'm in the process of moving right so i'm living in charlotte a little bit families of ohio later today i'm going to get to drive up see my family for a long weekend so that's something i'm really looking forward to but honestly waking up today and just doing this podcast was so exciting and it kind of revived me and it really just confirmed why i'm so happy to be at carson group working with people like yourself and i'll just say this i mean your clients I hope they realize how lucky they are, right? Because not every advisor is like this. Not every advisor does this thing. I mean, they, you guys are in very, very good hands. I mean, obviously, if there's anything I can ever do or the investor research team at the Carson, I mean, you know this, Larry, just reach out. But I'm honored to have been on this and get to talk a little bit and hopefully get to do it again and hopefully see you in person sooner than later. Well, a couple of weeks, I will see you. And I appreciate the kind words. And if people will have all your information in the show notes, but if people want to find you, follow you, watch all your fun that's happening on Twitter or elsewhere. Where's the easiest and best place for them to do yeah, that? Easiest probably would be Twitter. That's at Ryan Dietrich, all one word, R-Y-A-N-D-E-T-R-I-C-K. I throw it all on there. I'm on LinkedIn too. You can find me on LinkedIn, but Twitter is where a lot of fun stuff goes on. Awesome, Ryan. Thank you so much and make it a great day. Thank you, Larry. Same to you. I want to thank Ryan Dietrich for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Ryan's passion for the profession and the markets is clear from everything he does. He brings a level of understanding and excellence that is a game changer for Carson Group. We are excited to bring his insights to the families we serve and continue to educate them in a way that's informative, engaging, and don't forget, fun. Ryan and Carson Group can be found across most social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.